Oh yeah, fuck everyone and all their shit. Stay the fuck away from me and us. Don't even come here. You fucking rip-off merchant. Bastard. Welcome to Set Meals, a weekly chat show about the moments that surround mealtimes. I'm Samuel Ashton. And I'm Taylor Fawcett. And aside from our newfound appreciation for Korean fried chicken... Look how perfect the chicken is. As well as an addiction to Deliveroo that is showing absolutely no sign of slowing down... We don't know that much about food, but we do know that we enjoy it. We do eat it. And we do talk about it. Constantly. In person. Online. Amongst ourselves. To others. To you. Think of this podcast, Set Meals, less as a food podcast per se but more of a chat show led by the insatiable hunger of its hosts. With season one under our ever-tightening belts, we are feeling good. I'm feeling flabbier than ever before, but it's good in a way. Our inaugural season saw us uncover the mysteries of the KFC breading station. Dipping our toe into the murky world of food advertising in 2019. And leaving London behind to sample the best kimchi dumplings and pizza... Yes, pizza. ...that Seoul and Tokyo had to offer. And following a few weeks off the pod, which is basically the same as a few weeks on the pod, just without the editing... We are back. And we're fucking pumped! Your first swear in there, nice and early. And although we're going to be bringing you the same absolutely top-draw mealtime chat that you've grown accustomed to over the past four months, we are going to be mixing things up a little bit. One word. Guests. People who know more about food than we do, finally. Yes, scattered throughout season two, we're going to be talking to people from all walks of life, people who work in the food industry, to people that share the same love for a lasagna fritter and glass of Riesling as we do. Come on, it's not very on brand. What? Riesling? All right, yeah, sorry, let's, let's try that again. That lasagna fritter is absolutely fire, though. To people that share the same love for a pint of Cobra and chicken booner as we do. Better. So... Season 2, episode 1. We wanted to start things strong, focusing on a restaurant... A1 is, uh, can't cook there, but you can sell food. Focusing on a food retail unit that is owned and operated by the ever-passionate and wonderfully outspoken Missy Flynn and Gabriel Price. Bodega Ritas. The 190-square-foot King's Cross sandwich shop leapt to our attentions as hype around King's Cross's Cold Drops Yard development gathered steam earlier in the year. We sat down over a couple of absolutely lit sandwiches and a very strong black coffee. You were hungover. I was very hungover. And talked everything from creating an authentic offering and putting trust in a team to having fun and not making any money along the way. All right then, that's the intro done. Let's get into it. What on earth have you been doing since we left Asia? Uh, do you know what? Asia feels like so long ago. I'm happy to be back because London's in a good place at the minute. The sun's out and it's, it's good and it's just a good city to live in when the sun's out. But I haven't drank a bad lager outside of 7-Eleven for like three weeks now. And that's yeah. only a bad thing. I totally agree. We, we did come back with a renewed vigour for life, didn't we? Mm-hmm. The last couple of days of, of Tokyo was us wishing to have our London lives back and how amazing they were going to be and yeah, all the food we were going to eat. A lot of self-reflection, a lot of sort of taking stock and mm. being thankful for being, being able to be away for that amount of time and have a good time. Have our health and, you know, friendship and all that sort of shit. And we said, look, we're coming back to London, a dirty, horrible mess messy city but we're gonna make the fucking best of it we were we were gonna live our tokyoite lifestyles yeah in london yeah you've been doing it not really i mean a bit Wh- which but bit i i feel like two days after i was back i went out for dinner with jess and like we had like an anniversary dinner and i drank wine and like yeah but that's fine special occasion obviously is fine deep fried lasagna less fine you could have um, no it's fine it's fine i just feel like you came away from tokyo and you were very you were like 
Well, we were both saying it, but I think you re-meant it because you've come back and all you've done is eat eggs and tuna since you've been back. I've been on a protein tip. You've been killing it. I've never seen you like this. I've never, not, I mean, I can't notice any change yet, but I, I, I've not seen you make the effort like this. I just scowled for those people that aren't <laughs> in this hot studio. We said we were going to eat a bit healthier. Mm-hmm. I've been trying my best. I just had a Yorkie, so I'm not, you know, yeah, but I'm not a saint. But you're also going to the gym after this. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> I tell you what, though, sauna in here. So in, in, in a way, I'm we're sweating the way we're out. We're shredding. We're shredding as we speak. Yeah, I have been trying to eat more protein and less fat things and less carb. I don't understand any of it, to be honest. I, do you know what? Our mate Benny just tells me what to eat and I just eat it. Yeah, but all, all our mate Benny also so. eats is just fucking chicken wings. And I'm like, I've been yeah. doing that for years, so I don't know why I look like I do. Yeah, but if they're battered, it's not the same, Sam. So. Oh, good though, isn't it? Mm, better. It, it, is better. it is better. It is better. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that is hard is, is how much protein you have to eat to actually hit your hit your protein target or whatever they want what, to call it. What's your protein go-to food? The other, the other day, I ate three eggs, tin of tuna, whole pack of prawns, two chicken breasts. Wasn't even close. Also, I was still like 40 grams off or something, which is like two chicken breasts. <laughs> Insane. I'll tell you what it has enabled, though. Go on. I, I've got a new theory, a newfound love for the fact that kebabs aren't unhealthy. If you get chicken wrap from somewhere, from a posh stall, no different to a kebab, really. Yeah, you're, you are right. Especially if the kebab's co- if it's chicken cooked on the coals and you literally see it right there. But... The bread is the worst bit. Yeah, but it's just a wrap, isn't it? Yeah, but, but that is the ki- that's the killer though, right? Especially, what time are you eating it? Half ten, but like... Exactly, well, don't, don't do that. Yeah, but it's... But... Well, you, well, you just, no, the thing is, the beauty of it is, is that even without the wrap, it's fucking delicious. Mm. You're telling me, a, like a, a, a chicken sheesh in a, in a box with a side salad and... Loads of chips. <laughs> no, what's the problem? <laughs> no, 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 no. With some sort of hummus on the side. Yeah. But the problem with that is when you're dipping carrot into hummus or cucumber into hummus, it ain't the same as dipping bread into hummus. No. And also I find if I'm using cucumber for my hummus, I'll just eat all the hummus. Whereas if I'm making bread, I normally don't eat all of it. I'll really? Just eat like two thirds oh, of it. Oh, opposite yeah. for me. Really? Because the, the cucumber is just like, what are you doing here? You yeah, can... that's why you need more hummus. So you've anyway, been well. You've been looking after yourself. I've, I've been trying my best. Yeah, yes. You, yeah. It's good. It's good, man. Which is, to be fair, I haven't done that for the pod. We've not been eating particularly healthily. No. Although I have been cooking more. When we were on the way back from uh, Tokyo, I, in the airport, purchased two salad cookbooks off Amazon because I was like, something has to change. Yeah, we hadn't eaten a vegetable for... I was feeling, re- I was feeling like guilt. Very, yeah. very guilty. I felt just like, I felt unwell because I mm. hadn't eaten any greens. So I bought uh, Sad for President, which is a, ve- is a very good cookbook and uh, on vegetables, which is average. But uh, And it's one of the first cookbooks I've actually like gone through for a couple of weeks and just made different stuff every week. Bah, bah, it's good. Bah. It's lit. It's really enjoyable. Yeah. Plenty more of that on season two, making. We did go to a PR event for Arcade Food Theatre. Yeah. So Arcade Food Theatre is in the the ground floor of Centrepoint. Yeah, we got invited down by El Pastor because they've got their new um, Pastacito restaurant. El Pastor being a Mexican restaurant that has three sites in London. But yes. you have a good relationship because you shoot yes. some stuff for them. Correct. Uh, lovely people. They invited us down and uh, and we did that. We thought it would be bloody interesting. You were quite excited. I was quite excited. Do you know why I was quite excited? Because... I feel like we don't really, we, I, I always see this podcast as being the outlier of the food media because we're not part of the food media. Yeah. We're two people who have no idea about food, who like to eat. I felt like we weren't really meant to be there. Yeah, but, but, but 
I like I quite liked it. Yeah, because then I felt like I was part of the crowd. Yeah, but I felt like you know in Ocean's Eleven where they all dress up as like the the, the bellboys and they're like pushing around all the chips for the casino and they walk up and down. I felt like those kind of people. I beg your pardon, sir. You must have me confused with someone else. My name is Ramon. As you can see, Ramon. so this food theater, as it's being called, which frankly I think is quite a pretentious name but let's not go there it's basically a food court yes but instead of mcdonald's burger king subway spud you like do you ever have one of them <laughs> oh that very you know what very newcastle spud you like is it? i just went to a place called spud you like i got a jack potato with um, tuna and sweet corn now obviously the tuna and sweet corn has got a little bit of fatting because they don't use like the the lightest, lightest meal, they use light meal. Jacket potato oh. is a massively underrated and also lessening thing you see now. Yeah, which is weird. Like, if I wanted actually... to go and get a jacket potato now, where would I go? I couldn't tell you. Honestly, no jacket potato vendors. I'm, I'm frantically jotting down start jacket potato stall <laughs> in my notepad. Yeah, it is weird because also it's not really that unhealthy. It's more the things you put in it that's unhealthy. Yeah. Like what's cheese, unhealthy beans. about beans and cheese? <laughs> no, but like, what, what would you go for? A healthy jacket potato? Tuna? Yeah. With loads of QP mayonnaise. Exactly. That's the no, problem. Yeah, you are right, actually. To jazz and a shit load of butter. Anyway, the food court, right, it's right by Tottenham Court Road Station. Mm-hmm. So it's very busy around there and all the walls of it are glass so you can see in. So they're going to get an absolute ton of footfall. Uh, there's like a centralised bar, which is done in this sort of marble. I didn't think it was particularly particularly it was, nicely it designed. It was fine. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of people there, though. Yeah, there were loads of people there. I feel like I couldn't really appreciate the space because there was a lot of people in there. True. And then basically all the vendors have the same sort of shop front, as it were, with, yeah. just, with just a sign all in the same font, just says the name, which we were saying it just devoided everyone of a bit of personality. Yeah, I think this is where we kind of get split split on it a little bit. We, we talked a lot about this in Japan. We get so much going to spaces and actually enjoying the experience of going somewhere. Mm. And I feel like as soon as you put multiple things in one area, it just feels like an airport. But even yeah. airports have their own feel. For places. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think it's probably down to more taste because I'm sure some people would find it really slick. And I think, you know, if you're a restaurateur or a chef, you're not going to be satisfied with having to condense and distill your image and your whole identity down into this one thing and that's not to say that the food wasn't good and the food didn't do a good job because the stuff we have from pastacito i am excited about the beers and i am excited about the super gringas yeah that super gringa was really tasty and it was really hot yeah it was super spicy but in a really Mm. Mm. yeah Mm. it was good satisfying you had a baja fish taco they forgot mine i let them off they were busy they were busy i I think we did order more than we probably should have done yeah it's fine though. Because we had about four super gringers each. Like regular gringers. But super. And about 3,000 margaritas. You absolutely love the pink margaritas. On that night, we actually bumped into our first guests. Yeah, we did. Who were? Missy Flynn. Yes. And Gabriel Price. We, we didn't want to speak too much because we didn't want to preface what we were going to speak about the following day. Agreed. Uh, but then we had a quick chat and we went our separate ways. It was nice to meet them, break the ice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we went off and had our margaritas. Mm-hmm. They went off and did karaoke, went to about six different pubs. And you know when you you speak to someone, you're like, oh, they actually know how to have a good time and like a good night out. <laughs> and we just went home and had three drinks, thought we were fucking cool and then went home to bed. Exactly. Yeah. They've, they've killed it by the sounds of it. Exactly. And we turned up about 18 hours later yeah. at Cold Drops Yard, yes. at Bodega Rita's to eat a couple of massive 
sambungis restaurant section sort of in a way yeah i think these guest episodes are perhaps going to be a little bit more fluid than the previous sections we have had we're going to endeavor to speak to people if they own a restaurant in their restaurant if they don't in a restaurant that they love or that is special to them or that they are showing us for the first time correct maybe we might show them someone for the first time exactly i think we're gonna try if we can and always have a conversation over food moments around meal times tay exactly it's what we do it's what we do it's what we're about Bodega Ritas is, if you like, the latest sort of incarnation of their Ritas vibe. Yeah, definitely. They, they, they wanted it. We, we didn't want to go into the, the chatting to them and talk about stuff that they'd done years and years and years ago. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff online and podcasts. That's very interesting stuff about that whole project. Yeah. But we felt like that had been covered. So, yeah, so we, we approached, we introduced ourselves again, uh, having seen them the night before. Uh, Gabe looked a little bit worse for wear. Yeah, but also I. a man that can wear a hangover a lot better than either of us. Yeah, that is very true. I wouldn't have known unless he had said they'd been out. And it had been raining all day, like absolutely pissing it down, actually. So I think they'd been quite quiet. It was yeah. like a very mellow, a very mellow atmosphere. We sat down, got all mic'd up, and just got into it, really. Mm. My name is Gabriel Price. I'm a chef, and uh, I ha- we have a little cafe called Bodega Ritas. I'm Missy. Um, I work with Gabe, who's my business partner, and we co-own Bodega Ritas in King's Cross, and we used to have a restaurant called Ritas on Mare Street in Hackney. Um, and I'm also a student of anthropology of food at SOAS. The main thing I wanted to know was where they'd been, what they'd been up to. Because when you go away from a big project like Rita's and then you step into something new, it's kind of like, oh, what have you been doing? What's the secret sauce? Very quickly after we closed Rita's, we uh, were approached by some developers to do this quite bizarre restaurant in the middle of nowhere for six months, which we did for them. It's called Key Lombero. Uh, they, they spent 100, no, 250 million quid buying nine, seven nine-storey buildings in East India Dock. Uh, which they are developing over like 15 years into something. Uh, and they wanted a restaurant there to bring like people to when they were pitching this. So they gave us an old Costa Coffee canteen that used to service the whole, all these offices. Um, and we kind of turned it into a little restaurant where I wanted to do tacos and pasta because... Um, the two key food groups. <laughs> the two key, like... They're two of your five a day. So we did about 15 minutes research on how you could link those together and discovered that there's a path from Genoa to Argentina and Argentina is in South America, which is next to Central America, so you can... We did loads of research on that. It's such a light. So we came up with this restaurant, Quilombero, which is a word in this language, this slang. uh, That's a combination of... uh, Well, the the language is called Lufada and Quilombero means troublemaker in Lufada, which is a cross between Italian slang and coccoliche, which is like an Argentinian slang. But it's very, ca- it, but it was very, like, very, like, like the origins of cafe culture in Argentina. Yeah. That kind of Italian, like, you know, like in, like, Fernet Branco and Coke is, like, really big in Argentina. It's because of that yeah. kind of, like, um, m- migrant kind of history. Right. Like, research, it's funny, because that project we did research for, everything else we do is, rather than going to research something, it's based on references of having been someone. 
Okay. Can I just add though, that project happened after Rita's and I think we were both looking for some, uh, like a really, uh, a good way of distracting ourselves from kind of like having closed something and what, yeah. you know, what do we do next and all this kind of stuff. So it was a, it was the first um, time that we've worked in that way whereby we come up with like the core of a concept and a really, like a really fun process, like in, in a food environment, in a food um, context. So like, you know, it was the first time we've really like, gone through it with designers and like you know painted logos yeah, and right, you know okay. had a sketchbook and you know went to Genoa research researched the language like just went on this really immersive kind of like food history research kind of thing yeah. which was Link, and with language involved you know through the language and through the kind of like um, actual food and drink and it was it was great it was so much which fun which is amazing and like a, a, like a really amazing thing to do and fun way to do it but it's different to how we normally do things because it in a sense was the least us thing yeah. that we've done yeah, everything else is kind of based on just what it's like it's just really us you know but we didn't want to give them us that's the thing yeah. like they asked yeah, us to come yeah. and do something off the back of Rita's and I was like but Rita's doesn't live here like this is a this is a quite corporate project you know it's cool but it's it's a new thing yeah, like we'll do shitloads of other stuff for you and it'll be great and we're really good at it yeah. but like our stuff's got to be like us yeah, and it's got to be with our team and it's got to be with our people and like yeah. it's got to be for because it's got to be for kind of everyone you know and, and that's the best way we've found to kind of be for everyone is to be ourselves and work with nice people and yeah. what goes into starting a business mm. like this like that's all the kind of stuff that I want I want to know and like you see little things being dripped on social media and just like kind of little like murmurings of things happening and like you're like oh cool like and I really wanted to go into that conversation and find out how for example they've been doing like some traveling and you see that on Instagram right and like the odd picture comes up and they're in like Vietnam and then like in Mexico and doing all these things and it's like I really wanted to get a grasp of how that had sort of transpired to then being like a fully fledged business uh, we were for a bit kind of planning on what our next move would be and then I um, we would we were and then we decided not to and kind of Missy wanted to start school mm. and uh, Missy started her masters and I was gonna kind of float a bit and also we, uh, started some kind of pie in the sky conversations with a guy in America about potentially doing something there and it all you know I wasn't really putting things together properly so we just we're still in the process of working it out when this came along. Okay so that year basically um, from my perspective like I guess like always thinking about what a big project could be but also like being aware and okay with the fact of not knowing what that is and just realizing that everything in between is like you know kind of leading to it whatever it is and for me I'm like quite impulsive in the sense that I'm like okay I want to go and do a start I want to go and do a stage at a kitchen like I don't know where that thought came from it's not because my end goal is that like I want to be a chef now it's just like I just was like one day oh well I'm not really doing that much I should just get in a kitchen so I went and did a stage and I did another stage so I started doing that and then um, had this like fortuitous situation with a, a free career coach because I was a bit like, do, what do I, what do I want to do really with my life? Which ended up in me applying to school. But then also we, um, yeah, and we were travelling in Mexico and we were and we went to LA as well. And I, that was the first time I'd been to LA last year. I went to do a residency in Oaxaca, um, like a food kind of culture residency. And Gabe was, it was in New York at the same time, cooking. 
and then we met in LA and had this holiday in LA. And in LA, we saw a lot of like these kind of food and drink crossover retail things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like there was a little concession, the Adidas store in like yeah. Venice Beach, just like, stuff that's happening here. Like you know, like you see every clothing shop has a coffee machine in it yeah, now. Sure. You know, it's just kind of crazy. But um, so we were looking at like um, crossover retail and food and drink, and then also this thing that we've like kind of called semi-service which they do really well in LA which is basically all those places like Squirrel and Jolina and you know, that kind of like which is, is it Jolina or Juicer? It's either Juicer or Jolina. Okay. Um, uh, just those places that are kind of Juicer, very chill, right? very very good, fun food, you know, delicious but with, an, with a kind of low service, like you know, low overhead, yeah. sort of quite streamlined sort of mm-hmm. service and being conscious of the fact that London is getting more expensive, harder to find staff, Brexit, all that kind of stuff like within the back of our minds. I think we're both sort of like looking for concepts that or um, things that kind of eliminate lots of the risk of involved in, in larger restaurant projects. So we came back with that knowledge, kind of that kind of insight and thinking about like the idea that moving out of restaurants would be a good move because actually those are, you know, the staff costs are where, you know, you lose all your money. It's <laughs> yeah, and just also yeah. getting people to kind of be party and like be, take some responsibility for eating delicious food, but not in a fast food environment. So like, you know, but just, I can't really explain it, but like just a lot of places were like, you know, yeah, yeah, here, order your food here, but like go get yourself water and there's, you know, get yourself, get yeah, your own, get your shit, get your table is, fine, yeah. and we'll make the food and, and it's all, and you're not, and when you're, you're done, put, put your plate yeah, over there. And, bring yeah, your, yeah. and, and, you're, not put, and you're not put out yeah, by yeah. it. It's very clear what you have to do. Nobody's pissed off. It's just a very, seemed very streamlined to me. And then um, kind of combining that and um, my time in Mexico, we actually pitched Bodega. I pitched Bodega to Brown's Fashion because they have a little cafe space in yeah. Brown's Fashion on Red Church, off Red Church Street in Shoreditch. Um, and a friend of ours um, was the manager of the shop and she was like, oh, you guys should do a Rita's thing then. So I pitched a thing called Bodega Ritas, which is basically, which was way more Mexican at that point. It was like a summer last year, and I was like, I want to, I want to know where I can get good horchata in London. Like you can't get horchata anywhere. So I was like, I'm going to sell horchata in Browns and paletas, like homemade isolis, Mexican isolis, and loads of shit that we carried around in suitcases from Mexico, like just like stuff, tap. Yeah. I was just going to sell it. Um, from gourds to like cans of tomatillo. Yeah, yeah, but, like but, so, but there, so we did that. <laughs> tortilla um, press. Tortilla press. In Browns. And it, like it wasn't super high footfall. I mean, you know, one person an hour goes yeah. in that shop. But what was really, really interesting to me is that people would come in and like, be shopping, you know, high fashion, you know, buying clothes, and then be like, oh my god, is that Valentino hot sauce? Fuck, I need that. And like loads of Americans, yeah. and right. loads of Mexicans, um, and lots of people who just like were, were really familiar with the stuff that we were selling. And like, oh my god, I don't know where, I, oh, I haven't seen that hot sauce in London anywhere. I haven't seen chilies. Like, we were selling bags of chilies, and we'd have people come in to buy like pesto chilies or whatever chilies we were selling in a high fashion environment, which is like really perplexing to me. But imagine being the shop staff who are like trying to sell people like Gucci trainers and the person's like, no, excuse me, I'm just I'm just here for the chilies. Our our friend Roberto, who has been working with us for years, he used to work at um, the restaurant with us and then he uh, is a really good friend of ours and he wasn't doing anything at the time. So he came over to kind of manage that. He came to us to manage that situation. And um, he's from Mexico City and it was, when people came, we had there were lots of people from Mexico would come by, and they, it would be it was quite it was cool for us all to see these 
Mexicans together in London finding homemade horchata and just yeah. being like, what? This is a Gucci handbag. This is a guy from Mexico City. What just fucking happened? Yeah. <laughs> but they, I can't believe they, 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 this. And we became really friendly with the people that work at Browns as well. Yeah, they're good. Bunch. And it was and like and just watching one. them get into it as well, like really get into food and they yeah. and then you know slowly warming up and being you know kind of I think a lot of them just didn't really care about food before and, I, and it made me realise that our food brand is quite unique in that sense. Yeah. So we had to do it. We were like we have to keep going with this somehow and and um, Kings Cross Estate, the landlord here. Um, and James, who curated the street, obviously saw that James at, at, at Browns right. and approached us about doing something here. And then it evolved, and this and this is very different, I think, to what it initially was. It's a, yeah. it's a lot more sort of um, American deli kind of. I don't know what it is now, but it was definitely global. Yeah. Deli. No, I think just in terms of like we the knew feel. Maybe we should just give a quick bit of context of Cold Drops Yard and that environment yeah. for anyone that's not been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially just north basically behind King's Cross Station um, they've just built an absolute shit ton of new offices shops restaurants homes Google are based there Mm -hmm. Universal Music's based there big big companies are based there Uh, and they have all the regular kind of shops and there's a Carhartt and a Nike outlet and all that stuff and then sort of the other side of the canal where um, Dishoom has been for a while they've now built Cold Drops Yard Mm mm-hmm which is essentially, I would say, a, a fairly high-end, curated kind of shopping precinct. Hundred percent. Yeah. I think we 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 made quite a conscious decision. Not not. It's quite conscious. It's not a full decision, but we're very aware of not. Um, restaurants in London are starting to suck, and restaurant. As a restaurant, this is one of, I personally think one of the fucking worst restaurant towns in London. That doesn't in the world. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have good restaurants. It's just shit to fucking run them, to own them. They take all your fucking money. You cannot survive unless you open five or you're a crook. It's really, really hard, and it will very quickly take. If you're doing it because you love it, it will very quickly take the love out of it for you. So you've either got to go in there as the numbers man, and them we ain't, and, uh, <laughs> or you just got to kind of find your way around it. And we have found we are we are still finding our way, but we are finding our way around how to be involved in something that we love doing on our terms. People have such a tendency to polish things and and say be positive <laughs> about things now, and actually sometimes it's better to just be fucking real. And that's the point, right? As well that like. Missy spoke so much about this uniformity of how restaurants are presented, the uniform, the uniformity in photography and concept and uh, tone of voice and all of that stuff, and even even those guys being able to talk about what they're doing in a way that is non-uniform is testament to how sort of like real they are and how how they approach their business. It's a very heart on your sleeve way of doing it, I think. I don't think it's a shit town. I think the problem is that the industry has... We're going to slowly work back from me saying it's shit town. I just want to make it very clear that like, I'm, this place, I'm not as negative as <laughs> No, I think that... Um, I just think the industry has... Um, the, the restaurant industry has evolved too fast. Mm. And it's to the point where I think that even... Like the period that we started out... You know, I basically worked at Hawksmoor. And I left because I was like I need to get out there like I can't be working with this big company I've got to be out there something amazing is going on in food in London I've got to be out there doing something we've got to do something like of our own and 
and that period, from that period to now, you know, now like we were all together at the opening of Arcade last night. You know, it's like so homogenized, so sterile, so like you know, you know, it's it's a convergence of so many different things. The, the practical things like the property market and you know, all this kind of like very practical, basic things. But also just like the era is different. Like the way that marketing is, the way that food photography is. Like everything has converged to be this very samey kind of. Um, Realm, and I think it's and it's really easy to open something that fits in. You know, yeah. get a nice glass box unit, have a good Instagram account, get a good photographer. You know, have a have a really happy-go-lucky Instagram tone. Yeah. You know, and that's your food brand, and that's what food brands are. It's very fucking hard to be anything, anything that stands out. I just yeah. feel like lots of restaurants speak with the same tone. Yeah. You know, and that really that really freaks me out because it's like, okay, but. Who are the people behind this restaurant? Yeah. What's the sentiment behind it? What is the character of this of this restaurant? And I think also we always think about spaces as characters, like you know, Rita's is a very particular character. Bodega Rita's, is quite, yeah, I think, and it has to come through continually. And a lot of it just is just the way that we talk, and that's yeah. the tone. And I don't think I'm not kind of saying that you need to come up with like an alias like tone for your business, but. I can't be bothered to read about all different kinds of food in the same voice and the same yeah, sure. same emojis, same like, hey, the sun's out, so come on down for a ice cream. It's hashtag, just like, hashtag national it's sandwich just, day or whatever. Like, it's so boring. Yeah, it really doesn't make, it makes me like not want to go there. As a restaurateur, um, or, ha you know, somebody in restaurants, that, all that stuff is the fun part. Like the, about, yeah. we're talking about vibe and ambiance. Yeah. Like, you know, if you don't, you don't have a restaurant, if you don't have that, you don't have, Variables that make it your own, then it's not a. Re you can't. Even if you, even if your thing is to not have music, like at least that's a choice. Like yeah, I think yeah. these big halls where like some, they're listening to like some. I don't know what they listen to, like Balearic. Yeah. Beats. That fuck was that music? They were playing a lot of Peggy Goo though during that event, and that is the sound of summer 2019. I know maybe I'm just not enough of a foodie to to care about like I just want. I don't care about what the space looks like or what it feels like. I just want to eat you. that thing. And it's like, I, but I'm, that's not how I eat. I eat like every, Even you know, if the it's whole surrounding. For us, really like, important. For us, like, uh, what we serve is, I would say, best enjoyed in the environment where it belongs and which is reflective of all the same influences that are involved in the food and I think with us that's that, that impacts you when you're in our restaurant or in our bodega or whatever but also if you get it to take away it's why we don't want to go on Deliveroo because I love listening to people like who know their shit mm. like whoever it is and I feel like it was very um it was very endearing to hear two people who I think self-confessed feel like they, they're not a part of the restaurant scene, really. Because they they kind of, the way they both spoke throughout the interview was, it was very honest and it was very, very much like they disagreed with a lot of stuff that was happening or they didn't feel like there was a place for them is probably a better way of putting it. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I was describing this to Ness actually and, and was was thinking whether it sounded negative, but there was nothing negative about it. It was just incredibly honest and real portrayal of how actually like, it's actually pretty hard. Yeah. The restaurant industry. Yeah, I think when when I was cutting some of the interview uh, yesterday, I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought, is, is some of this chat coming across as negativity? But then I'm like, 
I'm checking myself and I'm thinking, as you just say, I don't think it's negative. Like I just like think it's, it's brutal. It and and it's, it's just like how we work. Okay. We don't there, um, sit around with like graphs and charts. And okay. It's why we don't make any money, but it's why, <laughs> <laughs> it's also why we make Basically, stuff this, really The title like. of this podcast should be like, how to have fun and not make money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but also like the fun thing about this, it's like you know, it's a sandwich shop. You know, it's got five yeah. sandwiches on the menu, but we still have fun with it. And like, you know, we'd like develop these guys like develop sandwiches together. And then when it, when it comes to naming, it's like this whole thing about naming is really fun. Yeah. The stories behind so the names are quite silly. <laughs> you know, it, it is it's fun. And I think like you know, and also like for for us, it's quite important that we don't lose. I mean. Gabe's a, a brilliant chef. He's, he's a chef, and it's not you know just the, the guy that makes the sandwiches. So it's important for us to kind of make sure that people can see that these are sandwiches made by chefs. And like, there's nothing reductive about yeah. you know what, yeah. what these sandwiches it, the are. The sandwiches are all show that they're made by people that who know how to, who know how, yeah. how to cook food. Yeah. They're made by chefs. They're developed by chefs. And also, people who know how to eat. Like I feel like yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. They're just like sandwiches you want to eat. This is the thing that pisses me off. What pisses you off, Gabe? You tell us. No, because I, can't, I shouldn't what talk about it. You we get a lot of research teams come here mm -hmm. from other restaurants, from PR groups, from uh, trend forecasting groups. From you don't really know. You don't really know what trend forecasting groups do, do you? Yeah, they eat my our fucking sandwiches and rip us off. <laughs> so there's a lot of people come here, and I see a lot of people ripping us off, and it's fucking so lame. This is the main thing you have to understand. This is food by, made by people that really like eating. Go and fucking eat stuff, other food. If you need to develop some genius idea for a sandwich, remember that a sandwich is food between two pieces of bread. Go and eat other fucking food and put it between bread. Don't come and eat our ideas between bread. There are a million, they're just sitting there, ideas. Just put them between bread. And you, you don't have to pay a team to do that. I just told you how to do it for free. I don't know how the conversation with Missy and Gabe supported the concept wholeheartedly. You could see where it came from. You could see like the reference points, the fact that the restaurant was a bit makeshift and thrown together, but that was like the Rita's way. The fact that all the menu items had, had pulled inspiration from various trips and things. And there was like funny names for sandwiches that had been, you know, been crack around the, the, the kitchen and they'd all come up with it. And it's this fun thing. I, I love how like thrown together it is, but it feels like right. It doesn't feel like messy and crazy. Like the Nora Jones cafe in, in Tokyo. <laughs> it feels like it's meant to be. And it's Here. this thing. But on that subject, Talk about t taking a small space and making the most of it. Yeah. Because that's, that's, again, that's what they've done. It's like one counter, one ice oh, machine. Yeah. But this unit in particular has, is more restricted. So it's A1, which is restricted in itself, but it's, it only has like a certain amount of power. So when we were like specking out the, the design, we basically to the, what is the, what is it, what, vault? To the, to the, to the, to the what? To the what? To the what? Had to, you know, we got, allocated all of our power to all of our appliances and like in here you can't have the glass washer on and the oven on at the same time Mad, and we've only got x amount of power plugs because of the the power waiting so there are no power points out here for public use because only because they're all loaded in the kitchen yeah. and basically one person can charge their phone at any Where given time yeah there's you know the power quite often trips 
and the, the, so the, it's designed to the, be a shop the plug is behind that curtain so someone has to get a broom and like jam a broom in there to like put the power on it's so janky it's so janky but that's our that's because it's us no it's just because we're doing we're doing we're doing more than this shop should be doing really here's the thing right yeah we're at max capacity but it's because like yeah, it's a little bit janky, but it's us. It has like, it's rough around the edges, but we won't serve drinks without really good ice. So we have a Hoshizaki ice machine. Which takes all the power, which, which means that power. like, nobody can do anything we else. We have, you know, like, we, we have things in here that take all the power because that's what we want to do our thing. It doesn't mean it's gonna be super fucking polished, but it, you have a drink with shit ice and you won't enjoy it. Do you like your sandwiches? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> not look It's like a really, the, the sandwiches here are really awkward to eat when somebody's watching you eat. Six sandwiches on the menu. As well as a couple of breakfast items. Yes, we didn't go to breakfast time, unfortunately. No. We will be going back for Certainly some will. form of breakfast. Uh, we opted for the BFF and the banh mi, which was called... The King Banh Mi. The King Banh Mi. Uh, roast oyster mushroom, peanut butter, carrot and daikon pickle, coriander, mint and peanuts. I went for the BFF. Uh, baked beetroot falafel, feta, herby yogurt, cucumber, turmeric, pickled onions and habanero honey on dusty knuckle sourdough. And you know what? It sounds quite fancy. Not fancy, but it sounds like... Like a bougie sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But it isn't. Felt so hefty like a chunky sandwich in, in both feel and flavour, and it was um, it was satisfying my hangover in a, in a big way. Although I was trying to eat it whilst we were like conducting an interview, and I feel like both of us were like sort of side-eyeing our sandwiches whilst trying to ask questions and listen and not have beetroot in our teeth. King Bar Me was really, was really, really delicious. It was slightly different to a lot of other Bar Me's that I've had. In that the bread was quite soft, yeah. as opposed to being sort of... Crunchy. Being a crunchy baguette, but actually it really worked. The the thing that got me was the peanut butter. Mm. Matt, do you know what the last bite I had? I kind of realised it was I had a, a, like a especially big bite of peanut butter, an absolute pleasant surprise. I have to say, I ordered it on Gabe's recommendation. I mean, I love a bar me anyway. I didn't even really consider what would have been in it. I just knew it was going to be good, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realise sort of till halfway through that it was actually vegan. Yeah, honestly, because I just is- I presumed there would be pork in it, and then it was vegan, and I was like, oh, I didn't. You don't miss I it. I didn't miss... Like, the, the flavour was so good that I didn't miss the, you know, the pork, which is normally the thing that I love about a bar meat. Well, we both had sandwiches that were no meat. Yeah. And I didn't once miss meat, which no. is kind of rare because I do quite like a meaty sandwich. Sucker for a BLT, sucker for a, a club. So... One thing I really took away from both sandwiches was the fact that, and you know this well, is that I don't like anything in bread where the bread is, is so crunchy and there's so much of it that it gets right in the roof of your mouth and laceration it, of the mouth I can't I just the admin of having to eat a sandwich like that I no. find it a bit painful bread no bread problems whatsoever no. it's almost like they know what they're doing it almost is um, but right. honestly all in all it was fucking brilliant to talk to them and I felt uh, I had the same feeling of excitement of wanting to do something in that space as I did when I was in Asia and, I was, and we talked about said fried chicken shop and we did all this. Stuff. I feel like I get quite pent up and riled up with that sort of thing. I get quite like, oh, this would be sick if this happened. And it's like that you fall over yourselves with like when I went to Vietnam the first time, um, I came back and I wanted to start a Vietnamese coffee stand about four years ago. Hmm. Never did it. Bought loads of, co- of Vietnamese coffee stuff. Never actually did it because I don't know anything about it. But they've done that. Yeah. They've buggered off, got the ideas, come back, implemented them. Nailed it. It was a really refreshing conversation with two people that have 
you hear it all the time. People go, oh yeah, they're just doing their thing and like they don't really care about like success and th- and often that's not the case. But with these two, it absolutely is the case. Yeah. For me, I'm just like they um, they must wake up every day and just be like, we're doing exactly what we want to do. Yeah, it's fucking great. And you can tell that like, you get that energy from them. Honestly, and like they um they they were really excited, which was quite nice to see. Actually, they talked about the freeze art first. And freeze are like you know. Massive. It's it's a real honour to be asked to do a restaurant Such freeze an honor, yeah. and to take the River Cafe space. So it's like on the one hand you've got people who are kind of like making you jump through hoops because they think that you're you're just grateful to be asked, and people who get it are like, no, no, we really get you and we want you, and that's the kind of. I'm said that River Cafe guys, if they're listening, are probably sitting there laughing like, yeah, they're good gonna, luck. No, they're, <laughs> also, it sucks. the amount of the young people are going to turn up and be like, where's River Cafe? And be like, yeah. that's not here. They've only done it one. Off. They've only done it one year, by the way. Okay. Uh, the the, the long time is our Peachtree Nurseries and, and Morrow have done it for years. So well, we're, we're, we're going in it. there, like Peachtree Nurseries and Morrow, like two restaurants that we really, really respect. It's like there's three big restaurants in there and one of them's us. It's like we have a 190 square foot sandwich shop in King's Cross. Right? Well, that's that's the reward, you know, when, that's, when that's the nice... When is that? First week of October. Third to the sixth of October. Getting notoriety and getting like... You know, Anyone? appreciation for what they're doing was like really important, which was really just really nice to see. We're going to yeah. have to go to that. Absolutely will. Hit him up for a ticket. Hmm. Maybe we just go and help him wait. Maybe Honestly, that's... I would. All right, so thank you so much to Missy and Gabe for being our first guests on yes, Zip Meals. Yes, couldn't, we couldn't have asked for easier and nicer people to speak to. Bloody delightful. And um, just funny. <laughs> yeah, just it was fucking great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. As someone who the first thing that I thought when we left Bodega Rita's was, I'm looking forward to, like, when can I come back? That's the first thing I was thinking is, when can I come back and when can I bring my girlfriend? The unit 114 Lower Stable Street at Coldrops Yard. N1C4DR. I'm sure there will be some tagged content from the end of your camera going oh, all over our socials. will be flying around. At Set Meals Podcast. Go and follow Bodega Ritas at bodega.ritas on Instagram. And if you do go to Bodega Ritas, mention Set Meals. You won't get a discount, but it'll just be good, it'll be just, good yeah, to just, know. Just get it in the, out it, in, the, you know, in the public. If we're actually so, yeah. doing anything for anybody, it'll be yeah. handy. Totally. Um, Tuesday. See you next week. See you next week. Well, I'll see you this week for next week. I cannot wait to get out of this hot studio. Cool. Thanks very much. See you later. Uh, <laughs>